1: And Welcome to the second Reds Review podcast of the season, the season 2020 which again, not that I need to remind you, but Liverpool are the reigning Premier League champions. For this month's look back on the games in October, I'd like to welcome my esteemed colleague Guy Drinkle, as my guest. How are you doing, Guy? I'm good. How are you? Yes, not too bad, not too bad, thank you. We were just chatting briefly there before we started recording. It was a busy month, October, for Liverpool. Mm. On and off the field, unfortunately, with all the, the mounting injury lists we seem to be building up at the moment. Not that you'd know that from reading Twitter last night. Apparently it was all about if Antonio was playing, <laughs> West Ham would yeah. beat us. And let's yeah. not pay any attention to the fact that we were missing Van Dijk, Matip, Fabinho, Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain and Tiago. Yeah, But just that one player for West Ham obviously meant more to and them. Ox, than, and Oxley-Chairman. <laughs> and Ox as well, yeah. But yeah. That, yeah, Antonio meant missing was more important to West Ham than us, missing those seven or eight people who probably would have been, if not starting, certainly involved in the matchday squad. But we'll get on to all those injuries and stuff as time progresses. So as I say, this is looking back on the, the games in October, and we started, which I believe was on the 1st of October, which seems a lifetime ago now with the League Cup game against Arsenal. We're not going to give this too much attention because it's a competition Jürgen Klopp or any of Liverpool really are particularly fussed on, but it finished 0-0 and then we lost 5-4 on penalties with Brewster missing the decisive penalty, if you like, hitting the crossbar. Thoughts on that game Were you're particularly bothered, particularly fussed?
0: Honestly, like I've got flash score in front of me and I, can't, I still can't remember the game.
1: I think for me, the the main sort of highlight, if you like, controversy talking point, was that Harry Wilson started the game after the the previous round of beating Lincoln. I think Shaq had had quite a good game then, so just just have him not involved. And I think, again, we're we're going back in time now. It it seemed to me the clock was alluding to a possible transfer for Shaq, and that's why he wasn't involved. Obviously, that didn't happen. He stayed with the club, but... Other than that, it was pretty much the team you would have expected to see, other Mm. than Mo also started that game. Virgil had started the previous game, started again, something I'm not too particularly keen on seeing. Regular first team is starting, but yeah, it's again, as I said at the start, it's a game that we're not really interested in, are we? So Mm. we'll brush over that. And again, I think we've hindsight of our injuries now and the hectic schedule coming up to not have another League Cup game in, in, the, in the middle of the December Christmas type period is a blessing in disguise really so we will put that one to one side and pretend that it didn't happen which unfortunately brings us on to our first league game in October and that was Aston Villa 7, that's right 7, Liverpool 2 so what did you make of this, where did that come from?
0: Um... The seventh circle of hell. <laughs> it was, uh, it wasn't fun. It really wasn't fun, was it? It was, um, oh, it was, it was just a strange game, was it? Because we, we started off, if I remember correctly, we started off okay, didn't we? And we seemed to be the better team in maybe the first 10 minutes. I'm sure I remember talking about on too many other pods. Um, and then our game plan, which has worked pretty much. Oh God! Two and a half years, three years, maybe. It it just imploded. Like the High Line, Ross Barkley, we made him look like Zidane. <laughs> Grealish looked like um. And even Pete Pe Coutinho for us, like anything, like Iniesta, it it was just scary how much they exploited us and the results afterwards for Villa. I think they got another good win if I remember correctly, but. Then they got tonked by Leeds, and as as we're speaking now, maybe it's changed in the last few minutes, but it was three 0 at time to Southampton. So, I obviously Aston Villa started off so well; it, it's just so bloody. It, I think it's a freak. game. obviously the obviously the this is a Liverpool one, but that United result against Spurs happened on the same day, didn't it? And we all got a a good laugh out of it. But I think the aftermath of that. It was obviously opposition fans laughing at us, and this was probably before all the and most of the majority of the major injuries started, you'd say. I think there was a lot more optimism about the way we'd fix it afterwards than, say, United. So I think it was just a freak game rather than like a proper systemic issue, if you get what I mean. And that seemed, to yeah. be, that seemed to be the debate afterwards, whether we need to drop the the high line and all that jazz. But obviously, we're going to come on to the Everton game, etc. I, I, I just think it's just the freakiest of freak games.
1: Yeah, it was, as you said, it was the same day United had got beaten 6-1 at home to Spurs, which I think the day before City had drawn one over Leeds. But even then, Leeds were... Leeds could have scored three or four and it wouldn't have been an injustice Mm, really and again earlier on in the season City had lost 5-2 at home to Leicester and I think I'd said with Danny Gabin on on the last reg review that it is appearing to be a season of that where there is just going to be these freak results here I mean if you look at the Liverpool lineup, there unfortunately Adrian was in goal rather than Alisson and as we've come to know that does make (laughs) a massive difference to us it was it was his cock-up in Early on in the game, they gifted them their first goal. And then from then on, everything seemed to just go against us. Just looking at the stats here, we still had 70% of the possession. We had eight shots on target to their 11. So it wasn't that. It was just everything they seemed to hit turned to a goal. They had deflections that went in. I'm not for one second saying we didn't deserve to lose. And fair play to Villa, as you say, they played very, yeah, very well. But... It just everything seemed to conspire against us on that day, and the lineup was a very strong lineup, barring Adrian starting ahead of Allison. It was a a strong Liverpool team, and Marnie was out unfortunately, but mm-hmm. Jota started, so it was a game that you would have all hoped to win. And unfortunately, it had come just before the international break, so mm-hmm. there wasn't that immediate thing to put it right. But yeah, it was a a freak result, and. As you've alluded to there, uh, since then, Villa have had a poor run almost, and they are the opportunity to go top, and they've missed that, and it appears that they're going to miss that again today, losing 3-0 at home at half-time. I think you are just going to have to put it down to a, a blip, a one-off. Just to say, the results since then, thankfully, as we'll come on to discuss, have been a lot better.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only other thing I'd probably take away from this Villa game was the mounting um concerns over Joe Gomez which i, I think are still there really because i think he was um he came on for Virgil obviously in the Everton game and then he had a good game um after that but like even even the other day I d- it, it it's very inconsistent and that's kind of not what our defense has been built round since we've moved on from Lovren and Mattiff and Skirtle, Sacco, etc. Obviously, it helps when um, Virgil was in the team, and I know he was for the Villa game, but it's just... It's it's a growing concern with, with Gomez, and I think that's going to be a theme of these, these games in this month. It's He'll have a good game, then he'll have a bad game, then he'll have an ordinary game. It, it's just... It's a strange one, and that's why... We, that's why I think the debate over whether we need to buy a centre-back as a stopgap in January or whether we need to buy the next Virgil partner, if not his protégé, in, in January. So I think Gomez is going to be a big story this month.
1: Yeah, it's so in your opinion now, if, if Virgil was fit, lo and behold, that would be a dream, wouldn't it? Would you would you be saying Matip then should be his partner now at the moment ahead of Gomez?
0: If both were fit, yeah, I'd I'd say Matip. I think I think Matip since he's played with Virgil, I think the level I think the level's been quite consistent. It's simply just the availability, isn't it? I think he played I think he played less league games than Lovren last season, if I if I remember correctly. Uh which kind of sums up the problem. And I think Gomez has a higher ceiling because of the, the pace, the the I think they combine well, like Virgil can get more aggressive and Gomez can cover, whereas Matip mixes up a bit more. So I think I think Gomez stylistically is a better partner for Virgil, but the lack of consistency at the moment, I think it just simply would be Matip if he was fit, and we saw that in the next game, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I think consistency would be the word I, I picked up on you using there. There's times where Gomez has looked amazing next to Van Dijk, and has been heralded as the second-best centre-back in the league. But he does have this this sort of game in him, unfortunately. But, and you know us as Liverpool fans, we love to find a scapegoat in a performance like this. It's Henderson gets his fair share of it if Milner starts, which is more and more infrequent now. He seems to be a bit of a scapegoat. There's a section of the fans that anything and everything that goes wrong was Nabi Kate's fault, and he he didn't come out of this game of Mm. any sort of glory at all. Bobby seems to get his fair chunk of it now. We do always Mm -hmm. seem to sort of look for that scapegoat and yeah, after this game it was certainly Joe Gomez but hopefully and the results since then we can just put it down to a one-off bad day at the office a bit of a blip and then came the dreaded international break and I'd said again on the last Reds Review podcast when we recorded it we hadn't the exact fixture times etc because of TV broadcasting rights and unfortunately the Everson game was the Saturday lunchtime kick-off, which us as Liverpool fans and Klopp is never a big fan of anyway, but certainly after an international break when you've got players playing the other side of the world, getting back the early hours of Thursday, if you're lucky, the time is so limited then to work on things on the training ground, which we know Klopp loves. But lo and behold, Liverpool are yet again thrown into the early Saturday kickoff. Thankfully, it was only across Stanley Park and our neighbours, so no travel involved at all. But a ferocious derby that early on a Saturday after an international break, I should say, isn't the most helpful. But it finished Everton 2, Liverpool 2. We can go on and on that it should have been Everton 2, Liverpool 3 because of the offside goal, the Pickford controversy, that's been covered numerous times over AI and many other media outlets, but just your overall thoughts of the game, the performance, because that was our first game after the 7-2 Villa defeat.
0: Um, I thought the performance was really good, to be fair. Um, I think we kind of controlled Everton in which turned out to be really difficult circumstances, even more so in the game, obviously. the The <sighs> We always hate international breaks, but this one has a special place in everyone's hearts because it is just simply absolutely idiotic. Like, we're in a global pandemic, and we're sending people every corner of the planet. It is so stupid. It is just so stupid. Um, But the game itself, I thought we started off really well, Um. Obviously, Robertson uh, created that chance for Mane straight away, and he scored. Um, and I can't remember, if did Van Dijk get injured before their goal? Or? Yes. I was yes. I was
1: going to come on to ask you about that, because yeah. one of the things Klopp said after the game was that Michael Keane scored the equaliser for Everton from a corner, and that was their first corner, first sort of attacking mm-hmm. set piece, if you like, since the injury. And Klopp sort of used that as an excuse, yeah. which you can sort of understand Mm -hmm. but at the same time these are top level professionals and they should have worked on these drills in training so Mm -hmm. it wasn't really an excuse i was prepared to buy really what are your thoughts on that
0: um i don't think it's an excuse in in a set piece situation and in general if anyone else got injured maybe barring allison I'd kind of agree with you, but it's the fact that Van Dyke has played every single game that's mattered since he's signed. Pretty much, I think he's mi- he missed that one buy-in game, didn't he? I think that was suspension. Um, I think like set piece, like ignoring the set piece. We were, I think we were sh- shell shocked for like a good fifteen twenty minutes in that game as soon as he went off, and that's that's kind of where the goal stem from, stem from for me. It was. They just seem to get a foothold in the game. Our midfield kind of dropped off, maybe a bit deeper to overcompensate and stuff like that. Gomez is obviously... we Well, we talked about him. He's very good when he's good, but he's completely opposite to Van Dyke. He's not aerially dominant. He'll cover, where Van Dyke can do a bit of both. He can be dominant and cover. Um, I can't remember which way around it was, but one of Matip and Gomez was out of position because he obviously had to play on the left rather than the right. So... The ten fifteen minute period after he went off, I think we did kind of panic, and it was like, "Holy hell, we don't have Virgil." But um, the set pieces alone, if I remember correctly, I, I was I was uh, slagging off Adrian afterwards, which is probably harsh. But once we've had a keeper as good as Alison, I think it's just natural to to judge someone on that level. Um, but I think I, I think Allison would have saved that, which is it's great that he's back. <laughs> it's just simply great he's back, but yeah, I think I think the injury itself it just kind of screwed over us till till half time, really. But um we recovered I think we recovered well to be honest.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm going to delve into it a bit deeper for you on the spot here because we haven't planned any of this. Obviously a lot's been said about the injury, about the VAR etc cetera, etc. Cetera. I know our very own Dave Henrik is a big advocate of there is a big difference between playing left-sided centre-back and right-sided centre-back, which some people, pundits, don't seem to think is an issue. Others agree with Dave totally. And even though he's right-footed, Virgil is predominantly our left-sided centre-back. So do you think that makes as much difference, really, if you like, that it's not just Van Dijk per se, the league's best defender, the world's best defender, his organization and all that he brings, it's also that then when Gomez comes on, it's been Gomez that's left side center back. He isn't familiar with that side of the pitch and and that's also going to have an impact
0: yeah, I think that I think that's quite huge, really I think I think the leadership thing, albeit we don't know because we don't train with him and stuff like that, but he is always the vocal one, isn't he and
1: and you've certainly picked up more on that since yeah. The return of football from lockdown, if you like, without the fans in there watching on telly. you can hear him shouting and organising the back line. And again, as, as the game has gone on, Dan, I think Dan Kenneth put something interesting on Twitter last night about if you like the the things you wouldn't notice that were missing since Van Dyke's injury. And it is that I think for West Ham's first goal last night, it was Trent just about keeping him on side two or three plays back. Whereas I think if Virgil was there that line was more often than not mm. in a complete straight line from Alexander-Arnold all the way across to Robertson and vice versa, whereas mm-hmm. now there doesn't seem to be that dominant force in there. And whether Gomez doesn't feel comfortable doing that or, again, because he's looking at it from the left-hand side rather than the right-hand side, it is just a bit of a, a mix-up, really, isn't it? And it, mm-hmm. it is going to take time to organise because, as you said, Van Dijk has played that left-hand side mm. Pretty much every game, and even this season, he was playing in the League Cup. So it's not just that it's Virgil, it is now that there's been two changes to the back line.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, it, it's strange because I don't think we were that good defensively with Virgil, but I think it still had a huge effect because, I mean, we, we saw we've seen the results, we've seen our defending. I mean, the Villa game, Virgil was there. It, it, it Yeah, it's. I think it's just a, how do I word this? How comfortable they are together. Because it's, it. we've had the three settled parts of our defence and four if you count Alisson, and five if you count Fabinho. But the, the right-sided centre-back has been the one who's kind of rotated, whether it's through injury, whether, whether it's through a lack of form. Um, but also we had two really good centre-backs and, and Lovren um was also an option (laughs) um gotta get your digs in (laughs) absolutely yeah um and that's kind of been the piece lacking pretty much has been penciled in in every in in every team sheet. obviously we keep seeing them go through like games of 20 where mattip will get a run gomez will get a run etc but maybe it's something we needed to address anyway but uh yeah, it, without Virgil, I think it's going to be rocky. But, I mean, if Gomez can grow from this, if Gomez can grow leadership from this, because, we well, we know, we well, we've already seen this month and we're going to talk about, we've relied on Fabinho at centre-back, who who seemed to be the vocal leader who stepped back. Now he's missing. Now he's now Gomez is playing with Nat Phillips or Reese Williams, depending if it's Europe or Premier League. Mm. He's going yeah, to so- have to be the leader, isn't he?
1: So we like going off in tangents on these podcasts, or certainly I do anyway. So I'm going to pick up on two things you said there. One, you sort of said about the mental aspect of Virgil going off and the effect that had on the team. And the first thing that sprung to my mind there was the Champions League final against Real Madrid when Ramos suplexed Mosolar almost, yeah, and did his shoulder. And again, it's you're talking about one of the world's best players there. So. Mm-hmm even as the squad is now, and it would in all likelihood be Jota that's coming on. It's still, there's, there is still a drop. No disrespect to Jota, he's fantastic, and he started very well. But at that time, it was Adam Lalana that came on. Mm-hmm. And again, when Van Dijk went off, it was Gomez that came on that, as we've already discussed, was yeah, yeah, yeah. a very good player. But I think, as you said, the similarity there just struck to me that it, it's just that impact that, well, he is our saviour. But then on that note again, just going off on a random tangent here, when Henderson was trying to establish himself, if you like, they said he could come out of his shell more when Gerard retired and when Gerard left, whether he's done that or he hasn't done that, it's for another podcast because that could last yeah. for days. <laughs> now he's debating Jordan Henderson, but I think you're right with Gomez and it might just be the again, throwing another analogy here, before Klopp had built this team in the early 2000s and up to the 2013 14, if you like, it was Gerard. Gerard was our go to. Everybody who was from mm. Gerard would save us, and then it landed on Coutinho. That Catinho or Blam went in from 30 yeah. yards and save us and rescue us. And I think Virgil, much as we're a much improved team since then and have won multiple trophies, I think Virgil does have that sort of aura about him that well, we don't need to worry about it because he's there. So it probably will take a few games for that impact, if you like, to wear off, but hopefully the likes of Gomez, and even we'll jump onto the game a lot later. Obviously, Nat Phillips came in and, and had a good game yesterday. Reese Williams hasn't really looked out of place in the games he's played, so hopefully we're scratching very deep here. I realise that because Van Dijk is so important to us, but hopefully some good can come from it, and we can establish somebody else, even if it establishes a Nat Phillips or a Reece Williams as the fourth centre-back, and we need to just buy that one centre-back to whether Matic moves on because of his injury record, etc., etc., but that for them, the League Cup games, we don't need to be worried about them, or if we get a dead rubber in the Champions League, it, it will strengthen the squad, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think <sighs> problem with Nat Phillips is he's actually older than Gomez, <laughs> which is, it's it's still very strange when you say it, because Gomez has been... Probably established uh, two years and obviously been in around the the squad since Brendan was here. But more on Reese Williams, like when I used to watch the Academy even the odd time, like post Academy pod and stuff like that, he wasn't really one that stood out. Like you just thought, Oh, he's quite big. If he gets if he like bulks up you could see it. And then obviously he got um, I think it was the League Cup game first of all wasn't it Um, yes. and then he looked like he's bulked up more and then he's got the big floofy hair <laughs> and he's just like alright but I think, I think you're right there I think if we're looking for a fourth choice and I think the the then the debate may be whether do we keep Matip or Joe Gomez and you'd probably say from a profile and age standpoint you'd say keep Gomez and he's obviously available more, so maybe if Williams can uh, um, establish himself, as you say and that's going to be through the Champions League whilst everyone's out um, if he can get fourth maybe we sell Matip and get I don't know, we've been linked with both of the Leipzig lads, haven't we, so t- just use one of yeah. them for example, so may- maybe we get rid of Matip and get a get a starter starter then Gomez can be the defined third Fabinho. I, I think that's a good. I think that's good options. Like I think we have good options now. It's just the fact that Matip is made out of crisps.
1: Yeah, and and again, uh, for, for, in my opinion, you have sort of said that that's, there's sort of four positions up for grabs in the Liverpool team. In my opinion, you've got Alisson's the goalkeeper, Trent's the right back, Virgil Robertson, the front three. Josh is putting pressure on them, but it's a front three, and then he tends to rotate that right sided centre back. And the midfield three, and obviously we've added to the midfield three and, and we can get into that. But I think for me, the one, the fact that Matip's been injured and then Fabinho's been injured, and two, just how thick and fast the games are going, we just haven't been able to sort of pair any two together to build up that relationship, that understanding. I know Fabinho had played, he played Chelsea didn't he? and then I think he slipped, missed the game and then played Yeah. Two games, was it two games, and then he got injured in the games. So he played sort of two and a half games as Mm -hmm. a centre back next to Gomez. But do you know what I mean? Nobody's really been given a sustained run in the team to build up that understanding. And I think if Gomez is the left side centre back, which he appears to be now, having a solid partner next to him would have helped. But due to injury and the fact that the games come so thick and fast and we need to rotate more that's almost a double whammy to us and that's going to cause us even more harm that nobody can establish that that partnership. And I think at the heart of your defence, when you've got a midfield that's, again, constantly having to change who's, who's playing as the sixth because of Fabinho having to play centre-back and then Fabinho injured and then Thiago's been injured and Naby's been injured. It just seems like we're not able to build up any rhythm or any relationships between them. Thankfully the mm. results haven't been affected too bad by it, but at the same time, I think that's why the performances haven't been as fluid as we come to expect.
0: Well, that's what we, that's what I said to you before we started recording, did I? I? Said off the pitch, and kind of on the pitch with the injuries and stuff, it's been pretty terrible. But results wise, it's been fine. But again, I, I, you, you mentioned performances there. Just well, it's kind of gone from <laughs> Aston Villa at like the bottom of bottoms, and then there's not really been the great game this month but there's been there's been moments i think hasn't there like the everton game the result wasn't great but i thought the performance was great so it's it's just been a really strange month and as you say fortunately the league isn't too strong um and we're top of it at the minute obviously everton play it's either today or tomorrow and i can't remember who they put i think it's newcastle actually um which is a winnable game, but Everton have their own suspicion, uh, suspension and injury issues. So we we could be top by the time this podcast actually comes out. And top-top, not joint-top. Um, And then the Champions League, uh, we're top as well. Obviously, we've got two tough games against Atalanta, who would be the second team on paper, you'd reckon. um, um But yeah, it's just... The, the start of the season has been good results-wise. But Christ, we're doing it the most difficult way. And most of it's out of our powers because you can't really put many injuries down to fatigue and overplaying. I don't think. Naby Keita got coronavirus, then he, oh, he was rumoured to get coronavirus, then he's got this mystery injury. Um, Ox... Does anyone know? They just say rehab, don't they? So
1: maybe it's it a... was his knee, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, end of preseason, he did yeah. something to his knee, but there just seems to be no, none. But again, you look at the the squad and the fact mm. that the Premier League has, in my opinion, shot itself in the foot with only seven on the bench and only three yeah. allowed to make yesterday. You look at you look at the starting eleven yesterday. You could argue, obviously, there's there's a defender missing there. Henderson and so say Fabinho mm-hmm. comes in for Jones, the front three's the front three. So there's only one or two from the start in 11 really missing. And then on the bench, yeah, you've got Nico Williams and Reese Williams. Adrian is Adrian, he's the sub goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Milner, Minamino, Jota and Shakiri. And then you look at the ones then that aren't on that bench. It's, mm-hmm. So you've got Van Dijk, Matip, Simicas, Thiago, mm-hmm. Namiketa, Ox. Origi, who scored the winning goal in the Champions League final, whatever you think of him. So the squad is there, it just seems to be Liverpool's way that when we're hit by injury, we're hit by injury and it's all in the same sort of area of the pitch and And the options then do do make you look a bit weaker than mm. you necessarily are. But as you say, top of the league mm. and top of our Champions League, play 2 one two, it, it's not a bad position to be in at all, is it?
0: No, no, I mean it, it it it's so impressive the injuries that we do have to be honest. You mentioned Van Dijk's a guaranteed starter, Fabinho's a guaranteed starter. Um Cato was a guaranteed starter at the start of the season, let's not forget. He he was probably ahead of Ginny.
1: So Yeah, and then Tiago, Tiago stick in the derby. Yeah, that's
0: probably maybe maybe Nabi would have came out, but let's say that's three and a half stars. Yeah, it, it, it it's scarily impressive.
1: And then the the ones that are injured, it's it's like their replacement is also injured. As you say, Mbappe yeah. is injured, and then Fabinho had bit or Matip would have played with Gomez. Yeah, Matip's injured, and then Fabinho's injured as well. So that's three centre backs. So you're on like centre back number five when we only started the mm. season with three in the squad, and to still be getting those results, it's it's much credit to Jurgen Klopp. And I think we've said in yeah in our Discord chat, which you should join if you're not already in, and com forward slash Discord. <laughs> and on Twitter, it's it's. we're not going to get the performances we want to see, but does that really matter as long as we get the results? But I think we've talked about the Derby for quite a long time now, yeah. and the surrounds on that. We've gone
0: on to other topics as well, to be fair. <laughs> we have, as we tend
1: to do on these podcasts, yeah. which if you love, let us know, and if you don't want to do that, let us know that as well. Uh, One we didn't speak about in the last Reds review because the fixtures hadn't been guaranteed. I think the draw was taking place that afternoon. The Champions League starting away at Ajax, are away form in the Champions League throughout Klopp's tenure really hasn't been the best, should we say. We had that famous win at the Etihad. We won at Bayern Munich. That's right, Liverpool did win at the reigning European champions Bayern Munich. But there have also been some very, very poor performances away at Europe. And so that would be the first (laughs) game, if you Mm -hmm. like, the first starting game without van Dijk. It was a game I was Mm -hmm. not necessarily confident about. And again, if you looked at Ajax's results before then, I think they'd won 5-1 at Herenveen the weekend before and the yeah. weekend after they won 13-0 <laughs> so to win 1-0 and to keep a clean sheet in the first game with Van I, I was delighted with that, I thought that was a fantastic result a great, solid away European performance, Benitez-esque I would call it really, just a mm. solid away performance got the goal, held tight didn't really offer them a sniff and when you're doing that with Adrian in goal and without mm-hmm. Van Dijk at the back, that's that was very pleasing for me.
0: Yeah, I think this this was the game. It's weird because I think some people really appreciate Fabinho for what he is like, best midfielder, best holding midfielder in the world, does a bit of everything. But I think this is the game where maybe some of his doubters went, "Oh damn, he, he is fantastic." And I'm not sure why there is doubters of Fabinho, but I saw him onto it and I'm like, are you okay? Um but he really held it together because <sighs> albeit Ajax didn't batter us or overly threaten at all too much, it was a panicky performance. Gomez and Adrian were, got in each other's way and got confused a couple times. Um and Fabinho seemed to be the steady steady head. That goal line clearance, and it was like (laughs) at that game, it was like we can build around Fabinho and Gomez and Matip, it's going to be fine. And then (laughs) then it just keeps getting worse and worse.
1: (laughs) It uh, does, yeah. Again, we won't name names, or I think there are certain agendas in certain areas of the media where they want to build big up a certain player, and because that certain player is maybe big up more than he could or should be. Other players then fall foul of that. But we we won't discuss that. I think everybody knows who and what we mean by that. But yeah, as you say, to go away in Europe with our record away, to get that result was fantastic to me yeah, again absolutely you look at the starting midfield of Ginny Alden, Jamie Milner and Curtis Jones ahead it was, of it was not pretty <laughs> it was not pretty you know, we've got the usual front three and we've got Alexander Arnold and Robertson starting and Gomez is starting so that's all good and Ginny Ginny's a big game player and I'm yeah. a big Ginny Alden fan but have an inexperienced but very highly thought of and, and rightly so Curtis Jones on one side of him and, and an aging James Milner, who I, I still yeah. like James Milner. I think James Milner is still worthy of his place in and around the squad, but that was a big M- maybe not
0: as a starter,
1: <laughs> no. And to go away yeah. in Europe with, with that 11, a, a bit of a mismatch 11, and again, we have sort of spoken across the AI on this that I think. Mm-hmm. With a fixture con- congestion, if you can put this Champions League group to bed as soon as possible, and you can almost have a dead rubber game, if you can guarantee you, he's not even win the group. But qualify from the group, and you've got a throwaway game, if you like, to give uh, reserves, if you like, the non-first-11 mm. players minutes, much-needed minutes, which they might well need, and mm-hmm. just rest some of the key men. That would be most welcome, so to start that mm. with a 1-0 away win, was very pleasing for me. Uh, Any other moments, performances that stood out for you in that game? Well, maybe not the performance, but
0: as someone who was okay with selling Vine Alden, holy hell, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm sort of with you on that. We all, we all get sort of transfer hungry and blinded by the light, if you like, and the thought of Thiago coming in excited everybody. Really, and I think it was a bit disrespectful in hindsight to Jenny. He's been a key, key member since Klopp came in, and he scored that goal on the last day against Middlesbrough three, four years ago to qualify us for the Champions League, and then he's been integral in the midfield since then. He scored a, over Christmas one year a 1-0 home win against Man City, and he, he is a Klopp favourite. He is regularly picked, but I think the, the prospect of signing a world-class creative midfielder to go along with the Henderson Fabinho Milner workhorse like was very exciting to most people and it was a a sacrifice a lot of people were prepared to make. Again, I think now looking back, everybody's delighted they didn't make that sacrifice. He he's almost was the glue that held the team together on on that night. And he's an underrated performer. He doesn't necessarily get the numbers on any demographic. He doesn't get the goals, the assists or The right type of passes but he just always seems to be involved in the game and I remember that 4-0 against Barcelona towards the end of the game where he just held the ball off from three of them and it was just like he was taking the mick out of them it was like almost like a teacher with primary school kids around him and try and get the ball off me, ha ha you can't and it's just such an underrated quality to have in the team and yeah as you said echo your sentiments so glad we didn't sell him Um.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's weird. I've I've not really been the biggest Ginny Alden fan on AI, but I've I've always appreciated for what I think he is. Obviously, I think he's a very clever footballer, and I think big game footballer. He just he just is. There's no dispute in that whether you rate and whether you don't. Just just look at the moments you listed. Um, everyone will be thankful for the uh, for the Barca game. Yeah. Um, the, the Middlesbrough games, phew, I, w- I almost said equally important. Maybe it's more important. It's it's just without that goal, we maybe don't get into the Champions League and we don't start this journey to what we've become. It's absolutely. It's it's just huge. And as you say, I'm just an idiot on the internet talking football. <laughs> Clop, Not, at, and, all. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, well, I, I am. Uh,
1: no, no, absolutely, no, um, absolutely.
0: But Klopp's picked um, him ninety-five percent of the time.
1: <laughs> absolutely, and again, the, the Ballon d'Or—it's it's always to the attacking players, isn't it? But it's—it's it's yeah. just that sort of. You look at Man United for the 30 years, the amount of players they had in that sort of bracket, if you like. I think Michael Carrick's a fantastic player. I don't think he gets anywhere near the recognition he deserved. And players like Jason Park would come in, and even to a lesser extent, people like Darren Fletcher would come in and put a shift in for two or three games here or there. And they are so underrated. And I don't mean to include Jenny with players like that, but again, I think by our fan base, it's just sort of, the best way I can describe it is you don't know what it's got till it's gone and you don't really realise what he does because you're drawn to to Trent and to Robertson and to the front three and to Virgil and Henderson is the Liverpool captain and there's this on agenda, if you like, to to sing his praises to make sure he gets the recognition he deserves and he does go unnoticed really by Naldan. But as you say, if he's fit and available, he is in the stars at eleven and A manager that does that, that's got Klopp's success record, is good enough for me and I'm willing to trust him on that. I'm conscious that time is running away because we go off on these little tangents and there are still, believe it or not, three games left to cover in October. So following the Ajax game, our next game was at home in the Premier League against Sheffield United and we once again. There was a VAR controversy that again has been covered in all its glory on the fantastic podcast on AI, but just very quickly, your thoughts on that penalty, non penalty to Sheffield United? Um,
0: it, it was just idiotic, it, it really was. Like, I can understand why, um, Mike Dean gave it, I can understand why Mike Dean gave it because he's obviously looking at it from, um, behind the Aston Villa... Uh, not Aston Villa, Sheffield United, where did they get Aston Villa from? Um, behind the Sheffield United attacker, so it kind of looks like he came through him a little bit. But the VAR, he got that tackle clean as anything. And if that's a foul, it's... it it's the, Christ, I sound like an old man. The game's gone. <laughs> the game's gone, Mark.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the, again, we won't, we won't dwell on it. As I say, it's been covered numerous. So The biggest... Cont- annoyance for me, and I'm sure I said this with Jay last time I did the Champions League podcast with him, is that nobody seems to come out and take accountability for it, and you've got one media outlet saying A, another media outlet saying B, another media outlet saying Z, and there's just so much confusion and confliction with it. Was the VAR looking if it was a foul or not? Was it then looking if it was a foul in or outside the box? And I'm a big rugby league fan, and again, for Super League, they just mm. seem to have it so right that they look at that phase of play and if that's right then they look at the grounding of the ball and that's just simplifying it very quickly but it's all got to be there to award the try it's not just oh we'll skim over that and just see if he put the ball down or not it's was there an obstruction in the build-up was there interference was somebody offside they look at everything and for football they just for whatever reason don't seem to do that and then there's conflicting arguments coming out of oh well they were only looking at that well no they weren't they were looking at the whole lot and it just needs clarifying one word here, but, but it's a mess. But that's enough of that anyway. It was, to me, quite exciting to see a shift in formation. I don't think the personnel was quite what we would want and hope it to be. But we had the Fab Four starting for the first time. So Jota was playing from the right, which surprised a lot of people, me included. Firmino behind Salah up front and Mano from the left. Thoughts on the switch, if you like, from the four three three to a more four two three one.
0: I think it makes sense with the limited midfield options we have, because we kind of alluded to it. Milner, he's getting on, and he will be fitter than I am ever and have ever been. But father time catches up with every footballer. Like he can do as many, he can perform as as well as he can every preseason, but in a match situation, he just seems to have slowed down and lost had lost um, his impact, because he used to be able to do a bit of everything, help the fullback, help the midfield, and now he just kind of seems to be not even one step behind, a couple steps behind, and Milner's a player I I was kind of against when we signed him, and then he kind of became, well, it it helped when he opened up his Twitter, but he, he just kind of the more we developed as a team, I think more people saw the use of him, maybe not on the pitch, but off it. Like his standards and stuff like that. We hear the stories every preseason. He's the leader in there. So I think you mentioned it earlier in the pod. I think he still has a huge role, maybe at the training ground more than at Anfield. Um, Probably a better way to put it. But um, yeah, I I think with the lack of midfield options now, we kind of have to Henderson, Ginny, then hmm, we'll see. That's the thing because Jones hasn't really shown it yet. And maybe because he's he's not on paper a clock midfielder, is he? He's attacking midfielder. So he's yeah. still, he's still trying to develop into that. Um, so whilst we have two midfielder options, I think we kind of may see a bit more of the four, two, three, one. And, the way Jot has started, surprisingly for me, because this podcast has just kind of proved how wrong I've been about a lot of stuff. But I, I wasn't over the moon with Jot signing. He's made me look stupid pretty, pretty much straight away. So that's great. <laughs> um, I mean, yes,
1: he started very well. It's, he has. has. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think you've nailed it there. It makes sense with with what's available mm-hmm. to us currently. It kind of makes a lot of sense to go with that. Yeah. I think. Again, I said briefly with Jay, I think in an ideal situation, if you're going to play that four-two-three-one, it's a different two mm-hmm. as the midfielder. And obviously, you've got Van Dijk at the back. But with what we had available, I think Bobby obviously scored in there. Again, we could have a, an hour long debate about Bobby for me, knowing if he should be starting or not, or the work he does and is he as effective as he was there. Again, it was a bit of a mismatched performance, really. It was unfamiliar to a lot of players. But it got the job done. We got yeah. a 2-1 win. And again, it could have been so easily Second, easy, second half
0: it improved, because I think... People jo- seem to jo- yeah. their
1: feet a bit more then and, and understand what they were doing. But it could so easily have gone 2-0. to so Sheffield United, yeah, thankfully, Alisson was yeah. back in that game and made a good save there. But it, it got the job done. And I think mm. we are just going to have to accept that this season, that it is just going to be more a got-the-job-done performance, got-the-win more so than this fluid attacking football mm-hmm. we saw in 18, 19 and 19, 20. But it got the job done, a 2-1 win. So, again, being wary of time, we will move quickly <laughs> on to the next Champions League game against a mighty Midgieland. Look,
0: easy win, move on.
1: <laughs> easy. A comfortable 2-0 win, wasn't it? Again, it's... Yeah, I've seen... I don't know if you've seen this or if it's my social media feeds being very different to yours or what. Mm. A lot of people sort of having a bit of a digger clot for this one for disrespecting the Champions League and, and playing mm. the side that he did play. To me, it's, he's playing what's available to him. You still had, that was on paper at that time. Our first choice back five, Allison was in goal, Trent and Robertson in the full-backs and Fabinho and Gomez were the first choice pairing. Henderson, mm-hmm. and Shakiri kind of back to the 4-3-3 three, three, with Shakiri on the right and then Jota in. Mm Minamino and Origi up top. The only sort of gripe I have in that is that, again, you want to see when when you're changing it, Really, you'd love to see Minamino with Mo and Mane either side of him to have a run with them. Or you'd like to see Jota play with Firmino and Salah from the right or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Just to sort of see how they gel. But at the same time, these games are coming thick and fast. It Mm -hmm. is... The easiest of the ties we've got in the Champions League, the home game against them. It got the job done. We won 2-0. Mm. What's the fuss? What's the issue? Yeah. As you said, it's brushing over. It was 2-0. He did what he had to do. We'll trust Klopp. He's won us the Champions mm-hmm. League. He's won us the league. He's got to manage these players' I minutes. Mean, the front freight, he's forever told the front, yeah. front three player far too much to play, far too many minutes. But then when he gets a chance to to rest and rotate them, mm. he does it and that's the wrong thing to do. As I, I said, think the main
0: problem there. for me was just Origi,
1: <laughs> to yeah, be honest. That, that was what I was going to say. My main would would have been, I would have either just seen Jota from the left, Shaq in part of the front three and somebody else in midfield. or if, unless or, The only Barney thing I can think of Salah. was
0: if maybe Jones as well. If we're playing yeah, 4-2, one Yeah, I say, maybe,
1: maybe yeah. a Mane or a Salah starting yeah. at the top, just with Jota and Minamino to give them... Yeah. But again, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? If he'd have yeah. done that and one of them would have got injured, we'd all be cursing yeah. him for doing that. So, in that regard, he can't really win, can he? So, we'll put that one to bed. Two from two in the Champions mm-hmm. League, which brings us on to last night's game. We are recording this on Sunday afternoon. Was Liverpool 2 West Ham 1. Again, another... Catchy performance. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily say a VAR controversy. I think that goal. I would. The only thing I would say is controversial is that I thought he'd given the foul for Marnie's follow through on the keeper. The more you look at it, the more
0: you can see why
1: confused you get. You could sort of say that well the defender went for the back of Marnie, but then yeah. the explanation I've read is that Marnie's trading leg like, fouled the defender and that stopped the defender getting to Jota to get the ball. We could go round and round in circles, yeah. thankfully.
0: <laughs> Considering the it month, did, it's the less controversial
1: one. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, apart from seeing some, I don't, I don't even know how to describe them, claiming, again, that of our diving thing. He was fouled yeah. in the penalty box. If you don't go over, you don't get the penalty. He was hmm. clipped, clearly, and it was a penalty. No controversy in there whatsoever for me. And again, that man we've spoke about a fair few times in this podcast, Diego Jota. What a finish that was. What a Mm. lovely team goal that was. And as Klopp was asked afterwards in the interview, it's just great to see. He made the changes. Shaq and Jota came on, that I called at half-time on our Discord group, by the way, and to have an impact. And I think that's where, in years gone by, probably more so in the 18-19, where we just fell short of Man City, it was the squad depth that caused us that. And to have the injury list that we've got, as we've mentioned numerous times, and to still have Shakiri and Jota come on. And again, we spoke about Shakiri at the very start of this, not involved in that Arsenal League Cup game because it was looking like he was going to go. Here he is, coming on and playing a key part. Just a mm. weight and depth touch on that pass to set Jota up. That's an underrated quality. And there's not many in our team, certainly in our midfield, that could do that. I'm thinking probably Thiago maybe now be but to have an option like that on your bench to come on change your game and win it for you surely will stand us in good stead moving forward
0: yeah i mean i've always rated shaq i don't i think the problem's always been he's he, not really a club player <laughs> and we, we've seen the quality every time he plays like even when he has quiet games i can't i think it was the end towards the end of last season and I can't remember which game it was, but all he did was take an absolute beautiful first touch, and that was the talking point after the game. <laughs> so it, it, he's always been a player with immense quality, and I'm I'm really happy he's still here actually, because um, the League Cup game we mentioned at the start of this bit when Harry Wilson was starting, you were like, "Why? Why would we keep Harry Wilson over Shakiri? Like, they they may be similar, but there is not like." Whatever, however highly you rate Wilson, he is just not as good as Shakiri. He just simply no. isn't. And I'm so, Absolute I'm so happy your... he's kept him. And, uh, now... and
1: I'm a Harry Wilson fan being well. As yeah. well, I think he, there's yeah, yeah. a good player there. But Shakiri is a very, very good player. He just needs the opportunity. Yeah. And if he's I think, happy... he, I
0: think he could get to Premier League level. I don't think he's quite there yet. Maybe, no, maybe, maybe think... Premier League, but maybe not top half Premier League.
1: I think a key thing for me and. United were the masters of doing it. And again, at the height of their powers, if you like, they had the, the front four strikers, the York, Cole, Sheringham and Solskjaer. Yeah. And Fergie kept them all happy. I think winning plays yeah. a massive part in that. And however big or a little a role you've played, Shaqiri played a role in us winning the league last year. He was involved in the squad. Yeah, yeah. He was involved in the celebrations and winning trophies like that. I think he's got into a sort of age now where he he accepts his role Mm. and he's not going to be a a big, every single week, play and start. But I don't think he'd want to be. I think, well, Mm. in a dream world, he would. But I think he realises that certainly in this season, how condensed it is, he is going to get his opportunities. And again, hopefully it's another trophy-winning season. And if we look back on it, at the end of the season, we won the league by two points. If he doesn't play again, he has contributed without for that goal that got us well, to win. So, well, if him I and if, if him and Klopp
0: can, sorry, to if him and Klopp can figure out a thing where he can play, I don't know, he can start tennis games, and then he is like him and Jota can be the first impact subs in games we need them. Our front, our back front three is now Jota, Shaqiri, and Minamino. That that that's such a that's such an upgrade to. Bring in Origi on in the eighty ninth minute and then see him do countless donkey touches.
1: It's, it's huge. And as you say, I think that the flexibility with him as well, without it turning into a shackle of in that he played in that midfield three, he can play wide right in the four, two, three, one. He could play not as good as Mo by any means, but he could play wide right in that four three three. Yeah, he could play the ten absolutely. in a four two three one. He
0: it's played midfield in the his- League Cup, didn't
1: he? Yeah, and to have that flexibility when you've got this many games coming thick and fast, changes are going to have to be made more often than not. I think the five subs in the Champions League is brilliant. It should be five in the Premier League. Hopefully that will change soon. And he will get his minutes. Especially injury suspensions yeah. are going to kick in. So he will get his opportunities. So that nicely rounds up our uh, August. So, uh, August, <laughs> October. So all in all, if the Villas result obviously a, a diabolical result performance etc etc not a bad month in the whole for Liverpool I think to come out top of the Premier League as things stand currently Everton are just kicking off now against Newcastle they can mm-hmm. only draw level with us on points even if they win and to have played 2-1-2 in the Champions League with an away game at accept up the way I think is a very good month for October we'll Quickly brush over the last month's predictions, which me and Danny Gabbard made. Neither of us did particularly well, you won't be surprised to hear. So the way we're scoring it is one point for a correct result and three points if you get the score right. We both scored a fantastic two points. I will add none of the Champions League games were involved in that because we didn't have a fixture list at the time of recording it. So, Mr Drinkle, as we move on to November, mm. do you want to do your predictions first, or do you want to have a quick think of predictions and do your player and goal of the month for October first? Um, We'll do players
0: of the month, because I completely forgot that I had to do this, but the more,
1: <laughs> the more so I buy, think... Buy yourself, buy yourself a bit of time then, and we'll no. do our player. I tell you what, I'm the host, so I'm going to go first. Mm. Player of the month for October, I'm giving it Nat Phillips. Oh, that's a nice show! I joke, of course. But no, he did do fantastically well last night. So, only yeah. his second appearance for Liverpool after playing, which was another genius move by Klopp, recording him from his loan last year over the winter break, playing in the, in the derby against Everton in the FA Cup, and then sending him back out on loan again. So, to come in from the cold like that, that he hadn't even been on the bench at all and play, I thought he did very well. But I think, if you look at the month on a whole, for the impact he's had on the mm-hmm. team... The fact that he's equalled Luis Garcia's record for scoring in his first three appearances at Anfield, yeah. I've got to give it to Diogo Jota. I think he's he's hit the ground running. Again, at the moment, he seems happy with his role in the team. He's had a couple of starts. He's come off the bench and scored vital, vital goals for us. And yeah, long may to continue. So I'm going to go for Jota for my player of the you stole my thunder. <laughs> I thought I would, to be honest. That's yeah. why I jumped in first on that one. I think
0: it became more obvious as I was thinking about it, to be honest. It, he's made such an impact. Like I think we could have easily give it to,
1: say, Robbo. Um, yeah, he was the other one I was thinking of. He, he's, he's been the consistent, if you like, in the back four. I think his level, is. Yeah. it's not as high as last year, but it, it's a lot closer to where it was than Trent's been. I yeah. think, again, Trent's been a bit inconsistent, but I think we set the bar so high with our fullback with all of our team to be honest for what for what they've achieved the last two years. But yeah, Robo surely had a good season, but I'm glad you agree with me there. Mm-hmm. Jota, I'm gonna let you go first on goal of the month, because again I'm scratching my head between a couple at the moment, so you can pick first on your goal of the month for October. This
0: may feel lazy because it happened yesterday, but I really love the goal from Jota yesterday. The pass is filthy. A nutmeg pass, I've got to give it that like the finish is tidy as well, but the pass is just dirty, absolutely dirty.
1: It is. That was the one I was I was thinking. To be honest, I I love a team goal like that. Don't mm. you? I do love a thirty yard smash in there. I don't think there's any others that have particularly stood mm. out to me. I think Marnay's against Everton was a good a good ball in for Robbo and a good finish. I think just because of the timing of it and what it would have meant, I would have picked Henderson's against Everton if the VAR would have sorted their lines out, but because they didn't, I think again we're going to agree with each other there and go Jotters last night Yeah. so then, on to some predictions for our November fixtures so Liverpool start November with probably on paper their trickiest Champions League game, that's away on Tuesday night in Atalanta, so what are you thinking for that one?
0: Um, I'll start off being a negative Nancy I think we'll lose it I think this is might be the game where the injuries catch up with us. We've obviously got to go to Italy. Atalanta, known for their attacking play and, and being mental going forward. I think this could be, if our front, well, the big question is Bobby. We've kind of not really had chance yet. And we don't want this to be a 12 hour pod, but Bobby's kind of out of form. So maybe it's more of a front two at the men with, with Mana and more. But if our attacking players are on it and, and count Chotter as well, um, we This could be a mad game, but I think Atalanta should have enough. I'm not sure how many injuries or anything they've got, but I'll say 3-2 to Atalanta.
1: See, I, I'm almost in a position now where I think this is one he can... He can be a bit disrespectful, if you like, to the Champions League. We've got Man City away on the Sunday, and then it's an international break. So if you can go into that international break with a gap we've currently got on City, or even better, extend that by three more points. I know we've played a game more than them. They've only played six, we've played seven. We've currently yeah. got a five-point gap on them. If we can go into that international break with that worst-case scenario, a five-point gap on them, I get they've got a game in hand, so could be to two, but it's points on the board that mean more to me. With the injuries we've got. I'd, I certainly wouldn't want to see Thiago or Matic rush back for Atlanta. I'd rather keep them in Cornwall for City. I'd, I'd certainly keep one or two of the front three off. Again, I f- I f- it's a tough away game. I'm going to go 2-1 at Atlanta for that. I think I would rather... Mm. I would rather keep the, the big boys, if you like, for Man City away and it will be what yeah. we can afford to to take that risk in, really. And Yeah, so I'll go for 2-1 at Atlanta. So, next is the big Super Sunday game. It's Manchester City versus Liverpool at the Etihad. So, what are you thinking for that one?
0: I think a lot depends on who's available. And, obviously, the rumours before this game were like, Thiago might be back, Matit might be back, even Naby might be back, and... Maybe it was because the the team's been leaked quite a lot recently, hasn't it? Maybe it's yes. to try and find the the mole or the rat. But maybe it was just like a last minute decision not to not to bring him in because it was a risk. So if they're nearing fitness, maybe as we say, maybe we um, say use what we've got at the minute against Atalanta and then Man City, we can bring Tiago back. We can bring um, Naby back. Um, who else we got? Uh, Matip. Matip, of course. Yeah. Um, and if Ma- if Matip and Gomez play, I think we'll win. Man City haven't looked that good. I'm not sure if Aguero will be back or Jesus will be back, but I think we'll be enough defensively to kind of stop the false nine stuff with them. So, depending on fitness, and I'll I'll be optimistic here and say Matip etc. will be back. I think we'll win If Thiago if, Let's put this. Way, if Thiago's fit I think we'll win Score Ooh They're either always Horrendously boring Or mental With Man City um, I'll go mental Let's Let's go 4-2 four, 4-2 two.
1: Four, two. I like your thinking Get It's hard To disagree mm. With a lot of the logic You've said that I think for me The key Is absolutely Matip I think if we can get Matip and Gomez fit yeah. and in the middle, that's going to be a big boost. They are I am being optimistic and thinking, oh, Aguero and Jesus will still be out. I think in midfield, then, you can have Henderson-Wijnaldum, which has been his club's mm-hmm. go-to for pretty much three years now. And if mm-hmm. you can add a or a cater, yeah. one of those two alongside them, because is definitely going to be out. And then you've got, I think it's going to be the 4 3 I don't think he'll go any four-two-three-one against this. Mm-hmm. I would say the front three has, the front three are. And then, again, you've got the likes of Jota, hopefully, yeah. either Keita or Thiago, one of the ones that isn't starting on the bench, and Shaq on the bench. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of ifs, buts, maybes, but I'm, I'm going to go the same 2-1, but I'm going to go for Liverpool to win this one 2-1. I think, again, it was the... The game after we won the league last year, wasn't it? And we got a bit of a oh, a bit yeah. of a high there, it was all a hungover. So I think Klopp is one to want to put right the wrongs. And I think that's, that's something we'll see as a big wrong. And he will want to lay down a marker. So I'm going to be optimistic and say 2-1. Mm-hmm. Then comes the lovely international break that we all love. And then Liverpool return, which again, I believe, has been scheduled for Saturday lunchtime because the Premier League love Liverpool <laughs> at home against the ex-manager Brendan Rodgers is Leicester so what are you thinking to that one?
0: They're a strange team at the minute aren't they? They're, they've had a lot of injury problems um, and they had that great result against Man City but I think that was a lot before a lot of the injuries. Um, oh, it's just Brendan though isn't it? It's he struggles in games, but as I said, they've just beat Man City. It's, I think we'll have enough to win, but it's strange because I haven't I haven't been able to watch them because of all their games have been on pay per view, so I haven't watched yeah. them in ages. Um, but I'll say two one.
1: See, I think back to to sort of last season. I think the the Leicester at home game was. One of our better performances of the season. How it was won, all going into the last couple of minutes, I don't know. But then we got the last minute penalty, which Milner tucked away, and we won two one. But the away performance at Leicester was sensational, and again, yeah. that was that was a Boxing Day. We'd just been away in Qatar, and again at the time, Leicester was second, and I was thinking, that's just that's the last thing we need after being away. Having to play extra time on the other side of the world to come back to play a fired up ex manager at home who were second with and we absolutely wiped the floor with them and put in a fantastic performance. And again, mm. I think again it's all it's not hindsight, is it? It's foresight dependent on the international break, who's available, who's not. But I think if we've got a fully fledged team as we have now, no more big injuries, if you like, I'm I'm gonna go three 0 to Liverpool for that one.
0: Love it. Love it.
1: And then we have our Champions League return fixture at home against Atalanta. So we'll wrap this up quickly. So I will just jump in without any spiel and say we will win that
0: one 2-0. I'll say 2-1 again, because as you say, as we've said, we'll have people back by then. Hopefully. Touch wood.
1: (laughs) And then as things stand currently, which I do believe has already been set in stone by the fixtures, we finished a month away at Brighton and Hove Albion on the 28th of November.
0: I like Brighton. Um, the fun to watch, and they do have an upset in them, but I don't think they have an upset in them against. Well, I was going to say us and City, but this season's very different. Um, in the past, I don't think they have the level to trouble us or us or City, and we've seen them beat the likes of Spurs and Arsenal, etc. Um, but I still think that's kind of true. I think there's a lot of vulnerabilities there um so i'll say 2 nil, and i think we won't overextend ourselves but i think it'll be almost comfortable
1: so i mean i still i again i haven't seen much of them the, the game that sticks in my mind really is the, the premier league game against man united where they absolutely battered oh them this season the post yeah. them six times yeah. and then low beside var steps in gives united a 400 minute penalty and they lo- end up losing 3-2 so uh, we to have a good record there against Klopp I do like Graham Potter I think he's a, he's a good manager but mm-hmm. I think almost his, his style of play plays into our hands kind of a lot of, uh, as a lot of these fixtures are it depends by then who's available who's fit I think if Brighton are missing a couple they, they will really suffer with that but he tend, he's gone a bit mad at Brighton before hasn't he Klopp Brighton a few years ago where he played Ginny, Lovren and, and his yeah. back three. But yeah, same as you. I, I, I'll put that down as a comfortable 2-0 Liverpool win. I think with our squad now, as, as long as we don't lose anybody else, it's it'll be sensible with his team that he picks there. I know we don't sort of cover that, but straight after that Brighton game is another Champions League game. And again, it depends on our results have gone then, and what we need from them, and we may well have already qualified for the Champions League, and you can just go strong for Brighton and leave that. But whoever we pick, we should should be having enough to beat Brighton. So I will go 2-0. And I think that just about brings us to the end. Anything you'd like to plug or add? Anything you've got coming up, Guy?
0: Um, I'll be on Rate Don't Hate um either later today or tomorrow so that'll be out this week probably before the atlanta game um covering the west ham game which i mean it wasn't the most interesting game so there'll probably be a lot of sixes again um but yeah i'll be on that and hopefully i'll have ai pro plus back before mm, man city so yeah hopefully there'll be something interesting to talk about there
1: Fabulous, but as Guy said, the, the, the content just com- continues to come thick and fast from AI on, on the free side and the pro side, which if you're not subscribing for, you should really give it a go. The content is thick, fast and fantastic. Previews, reviews, live shows, the whole works, everything you could want and more. So do check it out. But I shall give you my Twitter if anybody wants to follow. I'm at Harry Welshe. Give me a follow on Twitter. You should do the same for Mr. Drinkle as well. Keep it with AI, and I will be back in December to see how we did in November. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.